We're going to start out reading there, and we're also going to flip back and forth from Psalm 32 to Psalm 51. These are two Psalms that are connected through the life of King David. They are probably, and we most all of us who study and look, were inspired by the Holy Spirit. We know that, but they came from the time in his life when he had committed a great sin against God by committing adultery with Bathsheba and then trying to cover his sin and hide his sin, trying to manipulate. He even went to the point when God allowed her to get pregnant to bring his sin to light that he worked to have her husband murdered. So David finds himself a man after God's own heart, the greatest king in the history of Israel, in a place where most of us don't like to ever think we could be. And he writes this great psalm that we're going to read, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dig in this morning. I want to talk to us this morning about finding the lost joy of salvation. And I believe we live in a time where way too many of us, if we know what we just sang, I'll never see how much it costs to have my sin upon that cross. We'll never, ever have to worry about hell. We're not condemned. We are saved by the grace of God. We have been adopted. He is our Father, and we are under His forever care. How can we, as the children of God, not be rejoicing filled with an unbelievable joy that just comes out. You can't keep it in. And, you know, I was thinking when I was back checking on Brother Bud when he was in the hospital before Christmas, I got on an elevator in the hospital, and that was back when everyone was really looking, showing the stress of all this pandemic stuff. And, man, I got on an elevator, and a lady come in there with me, and we had our mask, and I looked at her, I said, how you doing this morning, sister? She said, I'm doing fine. I'm blessed. I said, praise God. People like you is hard to find nowadays with what's going on. She said, I'm doing good. Friends, listen, no matter where we find ourselves, in a hospital, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of something bad, if we've been saved by the grace of God and Jesus is in our heart, we ought to have something to rejoice about. But you know what happens? The devil wants to steal your joy. And he knows if I can get you messing up and doing things that hurt you and God, it's going to hurt your relationship. Because joy is a product of salvation. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we're living out and walking in the joy of the Lord that comes from his salvation, we are a force to be reckoned with to hell and the devil. Can I get an amen? But guys, when he can get you feeling sorry for yourself, focused on the fact that you messed up, he can get you as separated from God as David found himself. But the good news is that David got forgiven and he was restored. And I want you to read this with me. Look at what he says in verse 1. It says, a psalm of David, a contemplation. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Amen. Whose sin is covered in the blood. I'll add that in there. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. David says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. 
My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Shelah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Some translation says the guilt of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly, everyone who's saved, shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. At this same time, David wrote in Psalm 51, speaking about this same time in his life, this same thing he was going through. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me. Some translations say, sustain me with your generous spirit. You ever think back about when you got saved? The day you got born again? The day all your sins were washed away and they were removed as far as to the east is to the west because the blood of Christ cleansed you and the Holy Spirit came into you. At that moment, you was completely forgiven. All your sins and everything you'd ever done, you was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why you got a joy. That's why being saved is an unforgettable experience. If you ever got saved, you don't wonder what happened to you. You may not be able to explain it all when you get saved, but you know God did something. And friends, listen, the amazing thing as we look here is that you can lose that joy. I've lost it before. I've seen others in the ministry. These two psalms reveal to us the tragic condition which had come into the life of King David, a man who God said is a man after my own heart. This great man of God had not only lost the joy of his salvation, but he had lost all the power, the vitality, the spiritual strength for effective service to God. And friends, you can't serve God. You can't make a spiritual impact on your family. You can't win your neighbor to Christ if you're not living in the strength of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is our power. It is what gives you vitality. It's what sustains you and upholds you by His generous Spirit. But you can grieve that Spirit, the Bible says, if you do things against God. You can even, if you continually do it long enough, quench the Spirit in your life. Sin always affects our relationship with God. That's why if you're lost, you need to be saved. You don't have a relationship with God because you're outside of his grace and mercy that comes through Calvary, through the cross, through his son Jesus. That's why Jesus had to die for us. You can't save yourself. You can't fix yourself. You can't make it better by going to church. You're going to have to come to Jesus. And when he saves you, Oh, what a joy to know that your sins are washed away. All that guilt, all that shame, that heavy burden that you've been carrying of wondering and worrying about where you stood with God. Because when God moves sin out, the Holy Ghost comes in and you don't have to wonder if he's in there. Amen. You're different. You got a different heart. You're not, it's not completely like the old man's not there. But now the old man's got something to contend with. You got the new man, the Christ man. To come and help you overcome the old man, the Adam man. And friends, I don't know about you, but life's been pretty good since I got saved. How about you? What a terrible, tragic situation for a saved person, a servant of God to find himself to be in like David here. What a sad text. And I know which someone, why'd you pick that text, Brother Martin? 
I didn't pick it. God did. But guys, as sad as it is, it's also a text of very good news. It's a text of unbelievable news. It tells us that David, somewhere deep within him, even in the depths of his sin, as he, through his old nature, tried to cover it up and tried to hide it and tried to fix it and make it go away by his own efforts, he eventually got to the place where he had a desire to get right with God again. How many of you let sin get you, take you, bring you where you thought you'd never go, do things to you you thought would never happen again, to get so far from God you didn't think you could get back? So you just kind of start living that way. That's what happened to David. But David loved him enough to send a preacher just like me named Nathan. Preached him a message. Used something David could identify with. And he says, what do you think should happen? He said, that man should die. He said, you the man, David. And David broke in his sin, repentant. And that's where these psalms come from. As he was going through the process of getting back right with God. It reveals to us this great man of God praying for restoration of the blessed joys of the salvation he had in God. And because of what this text reveals to us this morning, I want to ask us three very important questions. Questions, these questions that every one of us in this room should carefully consider. And so I want you to think about this. Why should God's people be so joyful in the first place? I mean, is it a sin not to be joyful? It may not be a sin, but it's surely unnatural. It's surely unspiritual and ungodly. I mean, the Bible speaks that we are to rejoice in the Lord always, Paul said. He said, again, I will say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And if we got the Lord in us, then we ought to have the joy in us. You see, the main reason I can tell you why you ought to be being joyful, I already told you, you're saved. You've been forgiven. You've been given eternal life. But guys, I want you to think about this. There's so many reasons why we should be joyful, and I'd like to just bring to our thoughts this morning a few. You ever thought about this? But every blessing promised to us in the Bible is ours if we'll only claim it by faith from Jesus. You know what the Bible says? Let me read it to you. I don't want to mess it up. It's so good. It comes right out of Ephesians. And I want you to listen to this. Just a few chapters of how blessed you are if you're saved. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that are in Christ Jesus. I don't know how many that is, but that's a lot. <laughs> that's enough that ought to make us have joy even when things ain't going our way. Even when things are tough. Look at what he says. Just as he chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins according to the riches of his grace. And his grace and riches are abundant. And friends, we need to understand some things this morning. We have God as our Father, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and heaven as our eternal home. Why should we not rejoice? But let's just think about some more things this morning. We have been given the greatest and grandest privilege to be a part of the most important activities in the face of the earth. There's lots of organizations you can be a part of. 
but there's no greater organization on the face of the church than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a member and to be part of what God is doing through his body, the body of Christ. There's no greater organization to be a part of. And there's no greater effort, more important, that brings more satisfaction, more joy into your life than working with the living God to redeem lost humankind and to be a part of his plan and to have him use you. So guys, listen, it ain't a burden to come to church. It's a privilege and it should be a joy when we're where God wants us, doing what God needs us to do and wants us to do for the benefit of others and more importantly for the glory of God. But I want you to think about this. Every great step in a real Christian's life brings to that Christian new joys. And I don't know about you, but if you, Jesus is leading you, if you're following Christ, if, if, if Jesus is the one that's your shepherd, he's leading you in triumph, the Bible says, to overcome the world that has beset us. And friends, think about this. The steps of walking with Jesus, every time you step with Jesus, every time he brings you to a new area of your Christian walk, every time he brings you to somewhere you've never been by faith and he shows you the path and the journey that he created for you to walk with his son Jesus. It's a joy for me to stand up here and preach this morning. This is my favorite day of the week. It's my favorite event of the week. It's my favorite thing in all life to do, to do what God has called me to do. And he's called you if he saved you. And he's got a job and a gift to give you. But I want you to think about this. There was joy when you repented of your sins and turned to God. Do you remember that day? When you said, I don't want the world. I don't want what's been been had. I'm through with the devil. And God put a 180 in your heart. And you turned and you repented and you turned to God and his life came into you. That was joy. Think back about it. That's part of salvation. No repentance. There's no Jesus. Friends, listen. There was joy also when we believed on Christ and he forgave us. Do you remember the guilt of your sin? Do you remember when you realized that Jesus washed it all away, that he took your sin on himself and replaced it with his righteousness. But friends, just think about it. When you repented and turned to God in faith and repented and then put faith and trust in Jesus, at that moment you got saved. That's called being born again. And I don't know about you, but it was joy when the Holy Spirit came in. And friends, when he comes in, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And friends, that's what he does when we get saved. But think about this. Since all that's happening, praying's different, amen? It ain't just giving a, a God you don't know, a spiritual wish list. Now, every time you pray in the Spirit, what a joy to pray and be in communion with the Father. And it's even a greater joy when he answers one, amen? Sometimes it's a blessing down the road that he didn't answer it, Amen? But think about all the joy that salvation has brought into your life. You see, there's joy every time we share the good news of the gospel. But very few Christians know that joy. I'm going to tell you what, when you overcome your fear, when you overcome what people's going to think about you and your pride of being thought of as some Jesus freak, and you share the gospel, I've never shared the gospel 
when I was doing it in obedience to God and the Spirit was with, and, and left, thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. They got mad. They don't like me no more. I've always said, praise Jesus. I planted the seed, Lord. You water it. You do what needs to be done. But friends, listen, it's even more joy when one gets saved. If you ever led one to the Lord, you'd be sharing it more often. But friends, listen to this. There will be so much joy at the end of this race when we take that final step and the race is run and the good fight is over and we've kept the faith and we step for the last time on this earth. Can you imagine the joy it's going to be for the faithful, victorious servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's joy, my friend, in living your life for Jesus. So why is our joy so far from us so many times? Could it possibly be we ain't living for Jesus? You see, there will be joy when we take this last step on earth and we enter into the kingdom of heaven forever. Can you imagine the joy when we see Jesus? And I imagine we're going to be kind of nervous and we're going to no telling what it's going to be. I can only imagine. I don't think you're going to be jumping pews and shouting. I think you're going to be like, and then Jesus is going to say, Come on in, my child. Enter into the glories of what I have prepared. Friends, once you get there, can you imagine for eternity the joy of heaven in the presence of God? So the question shouldn't be, why should God's people be so joyful? The question ought to be, how can people that know God not be joyful? That's really the question. But I got another one I want to ask us. If we got all this to make us joyful, how do God's people lose their joy? Now, the joy I'm talking about is the joy of being saved and being in a right relationship with God, reconciled and restored. But friends, listen, you know how God's people lose their joy? The number one reason is sinning. Now, we all sin, but that's no excuse for sinning. You see, we're going to sin from now to now because of your fallen old nature that you inherited from Adam. But now you've inherited a new nature from Jesus. He's put his life into you to help you combat that old life. And you are not given permission by grace to live a life of sinning. From time to time, you will sin. You will make a mistake. But when you get to where David got, he seen Bathsheba. He said, that looks good. I think I might sin. But he let that sin get more. He followed up on it. And then he sinned. And even when he committed adultery, he could have right then repented. And he could have right then asked for forgiveness. But David kept sinning. He tried to fix his sin. He tried to ignore his sin. He tried to deny. He tried to act like it wasn't going to affect him and God. And he tried to take care of it because he didn't want people to find out. So what did he do? He called Uriah, tried to get him drunk, say, go home tonight. Act like he's his his buddy king. I'm a good king. Go on home, take the night off from the fight and, and spend the night with your wife. But Uriah was more of a man of God than him. He laid at the king's door and said, how can I go and sleep with my wife and lay up in my home when my brethren are fighting for the Lord? He said, I'm ready to go back to the front. David's like, so David sends him back to the front with a letter in his hand to the general. He carried his own death sentence, said, take Uriah and put him in the front where he's sure to die, and had him murdered. See, that's sinning. 
You see, what happens, we all sin from time to time, but if you're not careful, sinning becomes something that's going on. It's ongoing. It's a habit. It becomes a way of life to the where you become sinful. And when that happens, it will every time hurt your relationship with God. That's what happened to David. Most joyless professing Christians will find their sad condition, though, due to one or more of these five causes I'm fixing to show you. I'm going to show you, I think, one of the reasons a lot of Christians in the church, professing Christians, don't have joy is this one right here. I'm sorry, I didn't go to do that. There have been some, in fact, many more than you would think, who thought they had become a Christian, but later found they had only become a church member. You ever thought about this? They have come into the church, but Jesus is not coming to their hearts and lives. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying they're not Christians at all, but only church members who need to get saved. And just my little ministry and my little sphere of influence, I've seen a bunch under me as a pastor. That's my spiritual mama from Why Not, my church mama, Miss Cheryl. She got a son named Corny. Corny's a good kid. He ain't never been bad as much as I... And Corny had been in church pretty much his whole life, raised in church. We was preaching on Sunday, not much different than this, just preaching the gospel, preaching, being right with God. Corny went home, he called me that Monday, he said, preacher, I need to see you, I need to see you soon. He drove a propane truck. I said, what you need to see me for? He said, man, I, I was supposed to get saved yesterday. I got out at this stop, and when I was pulled up, I got out, next to that propane tank right here on the side of this propane truck and I got saved. I told the Lord I want to be saved. I want to make sure I did it right. I want to talk to you. I talked to Corny and Corny got baptized. The same church, a lady who played the organ for 30 years since she was a 17-year-old was in a Master Life Bible study with Diane and got saved, my friend. The first person that ever walked an aisle and got saved from my preaching was the church secretary at Solid Rock Baptist Church. Her name was Miss Melissa Davis. She won't mind me sharing this because she loves to tell people about it. And I was left. I was just started preaching. The preacher said, I'm going to get you to preach next Sunday night or whenever it was. He didn't tell me because he's taking the whole church to see heaven's gates and hell's flames for people to get saved. And so I want you to stay with those who don't want to go. It was me, Diane, her, and two others. And I stood in that pulpit and I said, it ain't a waste of time to preach tonight. He took everybody with him. So you know what I did? I just preached like I had all the hell's gates, heaven's flames people and he had them. And I just shucked the corn, preached in Jesus' name. And guess what? That lady stepped out to church secretary and when she come up, because I was preaching a salvation message. That's mainly what you preach when you first get saved. You don't know nothing else when you first start preaching. And she said, I need to get saved. I said, you're the church secretary. I know, but I ain't saved. She got saved. So don't think there ain't people sitting in here on our membership row who ain't in the Lamb's Book of Life. And friends, you can't have this supernatural joy if you ain't been supernaturally saved by the grace of the living God, and church will never do it. But guys, that's just the first one I want to throw out because I'm going to believe the second one is the main reason most people lose the joy of salvation. You see, some of us out of ignorance and just foolishness have blundered and made a terrible mistake. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, all of us make plenty of mistakes, and we all do wrong, preacher. Yeah, but sometimes we do something so wrong and so bad, 
and so out of our character that we feel we can never be forgiven. You ever done that? How could I have done this? Can you imagine David, God's anointed psalmist, his great king and shepherd king, and he probably after this happened said, how did I let this happen? What am I going to do? And friends, I want you to think about this. There's people every day that we see that are washed in the blood, saved by grace, who have done something that torments them. And it's hard to think God will forgive us, but he will. The great text here is that when David began to cry out to God, God forgave David. He renewed him and restored him. When you read Psalm 51, I want you to notice the burden of David. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Look at what he's saying. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, from my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me and against you, God, and only you have I sinned, and I've done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge me because I'm guilty and you are guilty. If you've done something that you shouldn't have done, have you figured out yet coming to church don't make it go away? Going to the next Bible study don't make it go away? Taking a, a place of responsibility? David was the king, but that didn't make it go away. And listen to what he says. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness again that the bones you have broken may rejoice again. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. And what does he say? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me again. Do not cast me away from your presence. This is a saved man. He ain't saying, save me again. He ain't saying, I'm lost and I need to get re-saved. He's saying, renew me, creating me a clean heart again. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then say, give me salvation back. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me again by your generous spirit. And then he said, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. You know why we can't win people to, to God? People in sin can't win others. But friends, listen to this. God forgave him. But you know, there's other reasons that I've learned outside of this text, but it actually is a sin if you think about it. Some of us, it ain't what we've done against God. It's what you're not willing to do for God. You see, there's the sins of commission, and then there's the sins of omission. And it's just as bad to tell God, no, I'm not doing what you want, than to go and say, God, I'm going to do what you don't want. And there's lots of people that God is trying to call. He's trying to use you. He's trying to, 
to get you to be a blessing to others, but you're not willing to listen to the call of holy God. For it may not be what we've done, but what we have not done sometimes that makes us lose the joy. I think of the joy I would have lost if I wouldn't have surrendered to preach. If I'd have said no. I think of how I fought for six months when I was running from God from submitting to preaching and pridefulness and just, I can't do this. There's no way this is what God would want me to do. And God was using me. I was winning people at soul winning night. I was going out sharing the gospel, but I couldn't imagine standing up here and preaching what God kept telling me. Go tell that preacher. Go tell that preacher. I want you to preach. So you know what I did? I just started running from God. I quit going on Sunday night. Diane thought, I was so disturbed, my, my spirit, my countenance, my spiritual vitality, and my joy was so out of character that she thought I was back on drugs. Are you doing drugs again? No, I ain't doing drugs again. Well, what's wrong with you? So we got in a big fight. She went to church without me. Guess who she came back home with? No, it wasn't Jesus. But the next worst thing when you in sin don't want to deal with it, the preacher and his wife i never forget when that old Dodge van come down the driveway. She got out, and he come in. He said, you one of my sheep. I ain't leaving until I find out what's going on. Something ain't right with you and God. He said, you don't understand. Well, just try me. He said, you women get upstairs and go pray. They was in a loaf. They was listening, cheating. <laughs> and he said, I ain't leaving until you tell me. And I said, you don't understand. God wants me to preach. And he busted out laughing. Yeah, I know. I used to be like you. Well, we're going to find out next Sunday night. Get ready. What? Man, I was so scared. I was so nervous, but I was also anxious and expecting. I stood in that pulpit for the first time, and I preached. They had to let go find me a suit because at them days you couldn't preach at that church unless you had a suit. I wore the deacon, the chief deacon, the chairman of the deacon's wife brought me a suit and tie. I didn't even know how to tie it. I had to bring the church to get the deacon to tie it for me. But I got in the pulpit, and I preached, and a lady named Miss Brenda walked the aisle and rededicated her life to Jesus. Friends, I'm telling you, he can use anybody in this room if you'll just get out of your sinfulness and say, Lord, here I am, use me. Send me and I'll go. And friends, there's some of us in here, he wants to use you. He wants you to join this church or a church. He don't want you to be jumping around. He wants you to be planted in a fellowship where you're part of the work that he's doing. And friends, all these lone rangers for Christ are non-existent in the word of God. We're all to be together as a flock, as a unified group of believers, bringing glory to God and serving in his name. There's no greater place to serve on earth than the church. And that's what he wants us to do. But a lot of times we don't want to do it because we think it's going to hurt us or it's going to be an inconvenience. So you want to just kind of wait. But I'm going to tell you, there's another thing that happens, and it's real. Some people get so overwhelmed by an unexpected, tragic sorrow, a great loss that they can't explain, that they didn't expect to happen, lose a loved one, or something bad happens, that it, it robs them of their joy, and they get angry at God. They get upset with God because God allowed something to happen that they never thought would happen. Well, I, I can only tell you certain things about this, but... Because of sin, bad things happen to saved people and lost people. Bad things happen to good people and bad people. 
But friends, we all have to deal with trials and tribulations. It's not if they're coming, but when. And real faith doesn't run from God. True faith clings to God. When unexplained, difficult times come, it's the trials and the tribulations that test what you've got if it's real. Adrian Rogers says, a faith that's never been tested cannot be trusted. And friends, listen, it is bad that things can happen, but Paul said we must enter into the kingdom of heaven through many tribulations. Everything ain't joy and hunky-dory pastoring a church. Everything ain't joy and hunky-dory parenting a family. Can I get an amen? Thank God for them little blessings of joy. Them little blessings of joy can hurt you worse than anybody else out here, amen? And friends, listen. Something else, and this may be you today, some true, genuinely saved Christians suffer from the full assurance of their salvation in their heart. They doubt. They don't believe. They, can, they don't know for sure. Guys, if God wants you to have joy from his salvation, for that salvation to be able to produce joy, how's it going to produce joy if you think you're going to lose it every time you mess up? If you think you got it one week and you lose it the next? And what causes this ungodly thing to happen in a person's life is false teaching on the gospel. Because you're saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's given to you, and it's all grace. And if you've got to work to maintain it, it ain't grace. Grace saved us. Grace sustains us. Grace keeps us, and when we mess up, grace forgives us and brings us back into a relationship we never deserved to be in in the first place. Grace and mercy. You see, surely God intends for us to have the peaceful assurance of his salvation. Would you agree with me? And we can get in a debate with this, and we could go on forever. But if these things are contributing to the loss of your joy, I got good news for you, and we're going to close. My last question. Oh, how can a saved person have joy of their salvation restored to them? Will you study out these two passages right here? The first thing I want you to think about is if this is true in your life, let me get caught up in my notes. I, I'm, I'm really doing good today. I preached without them for two pages. And now I can't find the page I need. We'll find it here in a minute. All right, here we go. There's really only two things we need to talk about on this last point. We're going to get out of here. First of all, find out what the cause and trouble is that's causing you to lose your joy. You say, well, how do you do that? You get help. Go to God. Be real. Don't try to be prideful and deny it. Admit, I ain't got the joy I used to have when I got saved. I'm not a joyful Christian. Find out the cause of your trouble and then go get help. Where you get help? Get your pastor. Get a spiritually mature friend to help you. Say, man, this happened to me. I didn't expect it. I had a loved one. I've seen people go through divorce and never get over it. 
and they're so filled with hatred and bitterness that it overwhelms them. Can't believe God let this happen to me. I've seen people lose a loved one in a terrible accident, and they never got over it. But you know what I've also seen? I've seen people that God's grace helped them through, and it made them even stronger in the end. So I know he can help you. And whatever's going on in your life that you don't understand, that you can't figure out, there's some things this side of heaven we will not ever know. But what I can tell you I know is God loves you. He loves you enough to save you. He loves you enough to forgive you. And when you're forgiven and you're in a relationship with him and you're experiencing him every day and Jesus is in your life, his love is powerful enough and his grace is good enough to heal you. Heal you. It's a day-to-day walk with Jesus to get healed with some of this stuff. But friends, listen, if you doubt your salvation, get real, pray. I like what Paul said. Listen to this. Paul said this. I lied. I'm going to turn to one more place. I want to read it right. He said, examine yourselves to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are disqualified or be found reprobate? So be sure that you're saved. If you, I believe with all my heart if you really ask God and seek him and He says, if you ask and if you seek, you will find. And and friends, listen, there's plenty of people that God can use to help you. If you're lost this morning and you know you ain't never, ever truly repented of your sin and gave your heart to Jesus, get saved. This is the place to do it. If you can't get saved here, where are you going to get saved? If you're not going to trust a preacher or God's people to help you and show you the way, They're not going to help you at the bar or the the ball games. The people that choose other things than God in church, they're not going to be able to want to help you. But guys, listen, for those of us who know you're saved and you've messed up, and sooner or later, that's all of us. I've been here. That's how I can relate to this message so well. God, how can I preach this Sunday with what I've done? How can I be a husband when I've done this? How is my wife ever going to forgive me? Well, you've got to start out by getting God to forgive you. And you know what I found? Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is you to forgive yourself. And me to keep pushing this button. I'll get it where it needs to be in a minute. But I want you to think about this. If you're guilty of sinfulness in your life this morning, to the point it's hindered and hampered and robbed you of the joy of your salvation, then let's just follow David's example. Look at what David did. David confessed his sin with a humble, penitent heart before God. He said, God, I've done this in your sight, me and only me. You're just to judge me for what I've done. And not only did he confess his sin with a penitent, broken heart, but he prayed until he knew in his heart he'd been forgiven. That psalm, do you think he wrote that in five minutes? Do you think he wrote that in one day? Have you ever tried to write a poem to God? I'm not a poet. Elena whoops them out, puts two or three out a week on Facebook sometimes. But I'm going to tell you what, for me to write anything, it takes me a little while, but this is a collection of a process that he wrote down. David prayed it through, man. He said, Lord, I ain't going nowhere. I ain't got nowhere else to go. Wash me with hyssop and I'll be clean. 
cleanse me and I'll be white as snow. Lord, creating me a clean heart. Look at it, man. He's crying out to the Lord in a prayer that I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be like we used to be, God. I want the joy of your salvation back. I don't want to be feeling this sin. I don't want the devil to continue to, to accuse me. He's in this too. But guys, listen, not only did he confess his sin with a humble, penitent heart, not only did he pray in his heart to God till he was forgiven, he reconsecrated his life back to God. Listen to what he says. He says right here in, in Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit in me again. Do not cast me away from your presence. God, let me back in communion with me. I want my fellowship back, so don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Anoint me again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me, sustain me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Friends, that's the chief purpose of every saved person that's still on the earth that's saved to help others come to know God. So David's like, I'm recommitting. In modern times, how would you recommit? Renew your vow to love Christ first and foremost. You're my first love again, Jesus I'll let some other things in, but I'm recommitting my life to you. I'm redoing my vow. I tried to say revow re your love, but revow ain't a word. I know I invent them all the time, but I didn't want to do it on purpose. But revow your love to Christ. And you know, it ain't in the dictionary. That ought to be revow. Every man knows about that. <laughs> That's married. But guys, listen. You know what else you do? Obey God. Say, Lord, I'm going to obey you now. Take up the work that he's called you to do. Do what he wants you to do. Go where he wants you to go. Obey God. You know what? When you're doing your life what God wants to do, you're going to have way more joy than when you do what you want. And it's not what he wants. So I'm going to show you this. This is Marvin's way of making all this be more explainable. There's three things you've got to do this morning. Admit the guilt of your sin. Confess your sin. Now, I'm talking about safety. And then ask God to forgive you of your sin. If you did that today, let me show you what God will do. God will forgive you, my friend. If you're saved, he'll forgive you. Now, if you ain't saved, you need to get saved. And if you are saved, he will restore your intimacy that you had. Your intimacy is nothing but your right relationship with God. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad when I'm in a right relationship with her, my wife. How many of you have ever been in a wrong relationship with your wife? Now, be honest. When you have done wrong and you have willfully did something you shouldn't have done that hurt your wife and made your wife mad, you do not get to have intimacy. Anybody that's been married for a year knows what I'm talking about. So to restore intimacy, to restore a right relationship, you got to get forgiven. Now, how many of you got tired of sleeping on the couch and said, Lord, I'm so sorry, sister, now I'm playing. I ain't never slept on the couch. But she got up, went up in another room and left me by myself a time or two until <laughs> I got right. God ain't like he used to be in some of your lives. You ain't got joy flowing from deep within your soul because you ain't right with God. Well, friends, listen, you can't have intimacy. Because, listen, it's intimacy that renews your joy. Where does joy come from? Joy comes from being right with God. Being right with God lets you be in intimacy with God. You're in communion. You're in fellowship. Man, when you've been hanging out with God, guess what? Joy is going to come out of your life. 
So you can't keep doing things that the world says is all right, that other Christians even say are all right, but the Spirit of God and the Word of God tells you it ain't all right. Man, I've tried to justify them just like you. So I want you to think about this. God's forgiveness restores our intimacy. God's intimacy renews our joy in God. This joy I'm talking about this morning, you can't get it by a lot of money. You can't get it by popularity. You can't get it because everything's going your way. This joy only comes in God, from God, through God. And there's no anything else that can compare to it. This morning, the church has lost her joy in way too many places. Now, I know we're fixing to have an invitation. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we get real. If God's telling you to come to an altar and do business with Jesus today, I would do that. If he's telling you to go find somebody in here that you have got a relationship with that you think can help you work through one of these things that God has brought to your attention, go do that. Go find that person. If it's me, you come to me, I'm probably not going to be able to fix you with something, but we will set an appointment, and I'll ask your pastor will do all I can to help you work through the theological and whatever you got to do to get your joy back. If you're not sure you're saved, I'd be sure before I left. I'd say, Lord, today I'm drawing a line. I'm stepping over it. Not sure on the other side. Calvary's on the other. I'm coming to the cross. I'm putting everything in Jesus and his blood. And I know this is going to be the day that I'll have for the rest of eternity to say that I wholeheartedly, with everything in me, repented and put my faith in Jesus. And friends, I'm going to tell you what. Tell the devil, go back and smoke on that, big boy. You ain't going to make me doubt ever again because I'm saved by grace. I trusted Jesus. I don't know if I really did. I was wrong. I'm not sure if I understood it. Friends, if you're thinking all that, you didn't understand it. Come get saved this morning. And for those of us who are saved, just deal with your sin. Get right with God. It'll change everything. Can I get an amen? And we can have revival. We can have a renewal. We can make a difference for the glory of God. So we're going to stand. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing a song. And we're going to obey God and do what he wants us to do. If you need to be saved, all you got to do is walk down here and sit on this front row and somebody will help you to know how to know you're saved. If you are of anything else, if you want me to come and meet with you this week, just come and let me know. But guys, let's not waste a great opportunity to be forgiven and to have our joy renewed and restored in our life. Father, this has been a sermon that it's sad in one way, but oh, the glory of your forgiveness in another. The long-suffering kindness of your mercy and the willingness of your grace to forgive and reconcile a sinner. Lord, if you was able to forgive David and reconcile him, there's nobody in this room that you can't help this morning if they'll only turn to you. Lord, I'm praying for sinners to get right with you, and I'm asking you to help us do it. I thank you that in my life and in many other people's lives, you have worked you have forgiven us. Help us today, Lord, 